It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this seventh day of November, 2023. This is the Horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us online. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Got to say that for several more months. Eh. And uh, whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, by all means, please like and subscribe and help us grow the audience a little bit. Or a lot, for that matter. Uh, it, it would be great. If you are listening live, however, pop into the uh, pop into the chat room where you will be greeted by the early arrivers. Too Much Hutch and Irish Dave and Ralph and Squeaky and Theo. Hey, gang. Here it is, Titanic Tuesday, and I'm trying, I just saw that uh, on the same day that, of course, they're voting in the Old Dominion, Old Virginia, uh, that uh, the state's under, a, the Commonwealth is under a state of emergency because of wildfires. So, just a little bit ago, before airtime, I had to go out and do that daily thing I do now, namely go up the road and pump two dollars and quarters into the air compressor and fill up the tire. And it was like, damn, are are, are the Confederates next door? Is is it is it early burning plastic season or something? Oh, hi, I'm Robin. Um, and I just assumed it was because it's it's hazy and gross and stinky outside. Smells like burning plastic and whatnot. But I may have prematurely blamed the Confederate, the next door Confederates. I mean, of course, there's always something that you can. Never mind. But ah, it's gross, and uh, stinks, and I'm kind of ugh from just being out in it. So it may it may be that uh, the old Dominion is on far. First, it was the Northwest, California, then Canoodlia, and now Old Virginia. I reckon they have been kind of dry. 
come to think of it. Um, so that's where things stand this afternoon. Um, my my eyes are literally watering. It's just ugh. so uh, it is. It's Titanic Tuesday, and every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude. And this program is no different. So thanks go out to our seventh day of the month subscribers via PayPal. And that means thank you uh, to James. Thank you, James. And thank you ever so much. Well, James is our only subscriber for the seventh day of the month. So where does that leave us? Well, the fundraising goal is at $991. So it's at least not at the four-digit level. Uh, wait, what? Stop telling us which virtual rooms to step into, Robin. Neo-cameral dictatorialistical shill. Oh, that's a mouthful. Stop that. So anyway, we're at 971, and uh, I, I don't know, but I, I presume TJ's uh, challenge from last night is still on the table. That was because it was, well, it was multi-purpose. It was the uh, shut the fuck up Donnie challenge, and uh, well, it was it was. Uh, More than apropos to yesterday's conniption thrown in uh, thrown in court, but uh, just to get us started, it really is interesting the way that sometimes topics come up here. And you know, in yesterday's program, we were uh, I mentioned the fact that I had not seen any stories anywhere on. Republicans do, planning on doing anything to present, prevent a shutdown on the 18th of November. And lo and behold, I'm doing my reading this afternoon, and there's a story from Bloomberg, uh, the news outlet, not Mike. Mike doesn't write. Mike's just a billionaire. He doesn't work. Um, headline, House GOP prepares stopgap bill to avert November 18th shutdown. <sighs> Jesus. This, this, this hopeless screw-ups. So, just taking the text from Bloomberg, House Republicans are preparing a temporary spending bill to avert a November 18th government shutdown and could vote on it this week. Lawmakers said after leaving a meeting with newly installed Speaker Mike Johnson, Mullah Mike, hashtag Mullah Mike. But they absolutely refused to do their damn job. So here's their idea of averting a shutdown. One option would create two new funding cliff dates of December 7th and January 19th. According to Representative Dusty Johnson of South Dakota, who is a full-grown man who still refers to himself as Dusty, who was present in the meeting. This is like, I don't know, this is one of those Batman villain, this is a, this is a Riddler puzzle. 
when is a shutdown or, or when is a when is when is let's try this again, Robin. When is averting a shutdown not averting a shutdown? There. Well, when maggot Republicans do it. Under this plan, some parts of the government would be kept open through December 7th, some parts, to allow the House and Senate to work out full-year funding for those agencies. The rest of the agencies would be funded through January 19th. Hmm. And... Democrats are supposed to supposed to vote for this. Um, uh, Emilio, is that a Dusty Johnson or are you just happy to see me? That was a little blue. <laughs> Hard day on the trail. Uh, dictatorial shill, Stephen New York asks, uh, uh, which dictator are you shilling for? I'm clearly shilling for Mullah Obama. Barack Hussein Obama! <laughs> sure. Now, th- this is, get this, um, the, some parts of the government would be kept open through December 7th to allow the House and Senate to work out full year funding for those agencies. God, this is some titanic intellect. Perfect for today. The rest of the agencies would be funded through January 19th to foster a deal, the measure known as a continuing resolution, but we know that, would put agencies that have aroused animosity among some conservatives like the Justice Department on the longer timeline, while the departments that have more widespread support, Veterans Affairs, would get the shorter deadline. And then uh, the article notes that the Democratic reaction to the stopgap proposal will largely hinge on whether the GOP tries to attach immediate spending cuts or policy provisions to it or not. House Democratic Caucus Chair Pete Aguiar was skeptical. Sounds like they want multiple shutdowns spread out over different calendar years, he said. I don't think it just sounds like that, Representative Aguiar. That is what they want. They are incapable of governing. Uh, Representative Bob Good of Virginia, who is ironically named because he's very bad, a member of the conservative Feedom Carcass, advocated adding items that the caucus favors. Yeah, we'll focus on passing our spending bills, and if we need a little bit of time on that, I think you'll see very short spending bills with some leverage points put in there for wins for the American people. Yeah, anytime a maggot says wins for the American people, you know somebody's getting screwed. Meanwhile, they're also talking about just doing everything. And extending it to January 19th. Or, and this isn't really an or when you get right down to it. Uh, they, they want to, uh, they, they can talk about options for uh, 
compromising with Democrats in the Senate. They have to compromise with Democrats in the Senate. They don't. Uh, the, the, the maggots have not figured out Mullah Mike and the rest of them haven't figured out yet that they're not they're not queen of this Titanic. Now, I, I still maintain, because I'm, I'm cynical, I maintain that they have no intention of not shutting the government down. None whatsoever. Because it was, shut, it was not shutting the government down that uh, it, it got uh, Craven McCarthy, this former squeaker of the House, uh, defenestrated so promptly. Uh, Ralph's just sent me along a story from the uh, Washington Post. Speaker Johnson on GOP plan to avert government shutdown. Trust us. Ralph says, no, I won't. I don't. So they'll him and haw, and they'll, they'll, they'll January 7th, no, no, January 19th, December 7th. How ironic, December 7th, huh? I hate him. Don't you? Why don't you just despise these miserable maggots for what they're doing to our poor country? Our once great nation. Ungreatened. There's a word he could be proud of. Ungreatened by nitwit Nero. And then, well, with this in mind, like I said, remember, it was... uh, it was not shutting down the government that cost the, spe- the squeaker his squeak. And so now, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but now, we have the queen of the Republican Party, marginal trailer queen, suggesting it might be time for Mullah Mike to go. She gave an interview to some right-wing scum site. I think this was the Daily Caller. Um, And she's mad at Mullah Mike. She's mad at Mullah Mike because he would not instruct the Republican carcass to vote to censure Rashida Tlaib. Um, she gave the interview last night. Of course, the story coming from the Daily Caller is just bullshit. Because this is... Uh, um, she was frustrated with House Republicans, and particularly a group of 23 House Republicans who voted Wednesday night with Democrats to table the resolution. And claimed that Rashida Tlaib, again, she's a liar, uh, protested in support of Hamas at the House office building. No, it was a ceasefire call led by a Jewish peace group 
Christ Almighty, she's stupid. And, uh, she, she said to the Daily Caller, I ran for Congress because I was one of those people who was constantly disappointed and disgusted with Republicans in Congress. Well, take a number, sweetheart. Oh, wrong way. And I find myself in the same position. I'm a Republican member of Congress. We had 23 Republicans that voted with the Democrats to table my resolution because they claimed they were protecting what she did to leave freedom of speech, which is jaw-dropping to me because I wasn't silencing her freedom of speech. I wanted her censured for her speech. These same Republicans that I served with, none of them have done anything about the Department of Justice and how they every single day go after January 6th defendants. They go after parents. They go after pro-lifers. They go after President Trump. His administration has supporters. And Republicans up here in Washington, they don't care about any of that. But uh, most importantly, it's what she said about Mullah Mike. Because remember, one person, one person can still file a privileged resolution to vacate the speaker. Well, he didn't whip votes for it, she said of Mullah Mike. He told people to vote their conscience, so he was not supportive of it. And then she uh, went on to recall that the, uh, the, the hateful eight, the eight of hate, you know, the mutineers, um, said any speaker who passed a continuing resolution and didn't shut down the government or gave aid to Ukraine should be ousted. So my question is, we're about to have Speaker Mike Johnson pass the CR, and he's talking about passing mega, mega Ukraine funding, trying to pair it with border security, pretending that the Biden administration is going to do anything to secure our borders, and he's already funded another foreign war, which is Israel. Where are the red lines? Do they still apply, or are the eight willing to admit that it was really something personal the entire time? And I'm just tired of the hypocrisy, said the hypocrite. I've been calling this place the House of Hypocrites ever since I was elected, and I still find it to be so. She couldn't find her ass with both hands. And a GPS. And a pack of Louisiana prison bloodhounds. You, but the, uh, the, the more important part... The important part is that they're talking about ousting Mullah Mike. <laughs> oh no, says Ralph. You, in, my, in my opinion, you almost seem to make MTG cry. Well, she was being a little whiny there, wasn't she? But don't worry. They have no intention of passing a CR, a clean CR. Look what they already did with their stupid Israel resolution. Tying it to IRS defunding? How's that ever going to get through the Senate? In a word, it's not. Because, meanwhile, over in the Senate, they're kind of, well, I don't know, trying to do their jobs. 
Democrats in the Senate today, good for them, uh, shut down the Republicans too sweet when they tried to get quick approval for a bill to give more bombs and guns and missiles and helicopters and everything. Whatever Israel wants, Israel gets. Uh, the Republicans tried to run that through after it passed the House last week. And Democrats stopped it in its tracks and said, uh, uh, no Ukraine money, no Israel money. Good. Uh, Republican Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas stand said, Time is of the essence, and it's imperative that the Senate not delay delivering this crucial aid to Israel another day. No, pass. Because if they're going to pass something, the, the Senate Democrats want to pass the $106 billion funding request that President Biden sent to the Congress last month. And they rightly, the Senate Democrats did, pointed out that you know this is just gamesmanship on the part of the maggots by uh, tying support for guns and bombs and missiles and whatnot to Israel uh, with uh, cutting fun- funds to the IRS. Senator Patty Murray, who's chair of Senate Appropriations, said, Our allies in Ukraine can no more afford a delay than our allies in Israel. And uh, the Senate continues to at least try to do its job. They're crafting a a clean CR of their own, as well as a supplemental funding bill. It may be introduced this week. And the maggots will, 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 will hold their breath and squeal and tug at their ears and turn blue and stomp their feet. Hell, maybe they can, maybe they can throw out the speaker again. I've had about enough of Mullah Mike. How about you? So, here we are. Hey, where are we? And why are we in this handbasket? And why is this road so uh, broad? But the other the other part of it is that uh, a censure resolution against Rashida Tlaib did go forward today. It's disgusting. An unknown Democrat sided with uh, almost all the House Republicans to advance a censure resolution against Rashida Tlaib. Six Republicans voted to table the thing. Uh, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Ken Buck of Colorado, John Duarte of California, Mike Garcia of California, Ryan Zinke of Montana, and Tom McClintock of California. 
So tomorrow we get the censure vote. And not backing down, Representative Tlaib uh, donned a kafia and sat in the front row of the House. She was flanked on either side by Cory Bush of Missouri and Summer Lee of Pennsylvania. And Democrats and Republicans alike have criticized her for daring to speak out in support of Palestinians being slaughtered on a daily basis, Palestinian civilians in that in, in, in the shooting gallery that is Gaza. And just as just as President Biden told Psycho Bibi Israel is Israel. I'm sorry. I'm, I keep mispronouncing it. Israel is taking a big hit in terms of world opinion. They had world opinion with them. I mean, it's almost like 9/11 redux. Israel had world opinion with them. And then they started the indiscriminate slaughter of civilians in Gaza. And the world tends to look at that poorly. (sighs) To the point that uh, even former President Obama... Well, hold on, let's back up to um, uh, Ken Buck of Colorado. He's a maggot, but he spoke out against the uh, censure motion uh, of Rashida Tlaib, and when somebody gets something right, they deserve to have that noted. And so this is what Ken Buck had to say on the floor of the House. Recognized for one minute. Thank you. Mr. Speaker, on October 7th, Hamas terrorists paraglided into a music festival and began an unprovoked spree of violence. Babies were beheaded, young girls raped, hundreds kidnapped, and many murdered in vile ways. To compare a modern democracy with a repressive terrorist state is wrong. But it is also wrong for Congress to take this action at a time when we have serious issues that we face to take an action and take down the words, to strike the words, to censure a fellow member, no matter how incorrect we believe she may be, is wrong. We lower ourselves when we try to take action against someone else for their words. We all go back to our districts, and thank goodness social media hasn't caught every one of us with everything that we say back in our districts, because we would all be standing here. This is a wrong time to do this. It is the wrong action to take. Let's pass a resolution condemning this kind of language, condemning anti-Semitism on college campuses and elsewhere. But it is absolutely wrong to, to vote for this motion. And I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Yeah, it, he's, he's correct. You know, even a stopped clock is right once a day.
and he was and and Ken Buck was correct in that in that instance. But they'll have their vote tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Lou, Lou with an email says, uh, "Sounds like Marjorie Taylor Greene would fit right in as the new coach of the Mets." I think that was a shot across Kevin's bow. There is what that was. Uh, but uh, what I now where I was going. Um, Even Barack Obama, even Barack Obama is now saying that we're taking the wrong tack when it comes to kissing Israel's feet. Israel. Former President Obama appeared on the uh, Pod Save America podcast. It's run by four of his former staffers. And it's kind of surprising... Just for, I mean, you know, ex-presidents talking about, and he's not going to, he's not going to put the shiv in Joe Biden. But he also doesn't have to run a re-election campaign. This was what he said. If there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas, that that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is is unbearable. And what is also true is that there is a history of the Jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your uncle or your aunt tell you stories about the madness of anti-Semitism. And what is true is that there are people right now who are dying who have nothing to do with what Hamas did. And what is true, right? I mean, we can go on for a while. And the problem with the social media and trying to TikTok activism and trying to debate this on that is you can't speak the truth. You can pretend to speak the truth. You can speak one side of the truth. And in some cases, you can try to maintain your moral innocence, but that won't solve the problem. And so if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take in the whole truth. 
And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward as hard as I tried? I've got the scars to prove it. But there's a part of me that's still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? That's the conversation we should be having. Not just looking backwards, but looking forward. And, and that can't happen if we are confining ourselves to our outrage. I would rather see you out there talking to people, including people who you disagree with. If you genuinely want to change this, then you've got to figure out how to speak to somebody on the other side and listen to them and understand what they are talking about and not, and not dismiss it. Because you can't save that child without their help. Not in this situation. Pretty nuanced, really. And he came as close as any, any president I've ever heard, or former president, to saying what needs to be said. That line about none of, none of us none of our none of us have clean hands. And the first time I heard this clip, it was, yeah, you know, I had a had a moment where I was like, oh yeah, there was something you could have done, all right. You could have tied aid to Israel to a two-state solution. And said, not a damn penny more until there is a two-state solution. I mean, perhaps that seems a bit facile. Maybe, 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 maybe he could have said, hey, we'll send you butter, but not guns. And frankly, at this po at this point, they have no idea the Israelis don't how they're going to uh, extricate themselves from this because now they claim that they have fought their way to the center of Gaza City. And you've got Psycho Baby saying, well, you know, we may just have to take operational control of Gaza for a while. That's fancy. You know, that's uh, rapid, unplanned, catastrophic disassembly language for we're going to occupy Gaza. And then what? Settlements? More kibbutzes? And honestly, I can see a time down the road, a few decades, whatever happened to the Palestinians? Oh, I don't know. 
they just disappeared. They were there one day, and then they weren't. Was that a genocide? No! <sighs> and again, I hate this story. I hate this topic. And a, a, a man is dead in California. He showed up to protest in favor of Israel. And somehow or another, we don't know, we don't have the facts, he was knocked over and he bashed his own brains in on the pavement. Blunt trauma to the head. He was maybe in his late 50s. An American citizen. And there was a protest and a counter-protest, and I guess he got into a scuffle with someone who didn't share his opinion. And now, well, now he's all dead. And the entire incident is being investigated as a hate crime. Uh, I don't know if you ever read the Griot. If you don't, you should. Michael Harriot writes there. And he is, without a doubt, one of the best opinion writers in this country today. And he had a heck of a column. Uh, Tracy sent it to me. Um... How to Stand with Palestine, uh, opinion, have you ever wondered how you can stand with oppressed people without being pilloried for your personal political beliefs? We got you. Again, it's at the Grio, T-H-E-G-R-I-O dot com. And it is an, it's... He has the ability to write with great humor. He says, for instance, I decided to blacksplain how to correctly express your support for Palestine without losing your job, straining, staining your reputation, or being canceled. Oh, wait. Before you begin, as a black person with an opinion, you are required to preface any independent thoughts with a few caveats. And then he, de he dives deep. Condemn Hamas, reject violence. See, Hamas is a violent terrorist organization that killed 1,400 people and took more than 240 hostages on October 7th, including children. Israeli airstrikes have killed more than 10,000 Palestinians, including 4,104 children. But you can't refer to that as violence, terrorism, or genocide, because those acts were committed by security forces. See the difference? And it reminds me, as I read that and as I saw some of the coverage on TV today, it reminded me of something that I've long thought. And I haven't just thought it. Uh, it it's, it's part of being pro-peace, anti-war. Uh, when 
Oh, I don't know. Um, when some young, you know, E3 or whatever on a submarine presses a button and a Tomahawk cruise missile uh, launches from beneath the ocean uh, ocean surface or above it, I don't even know how it works, and flies off at mock God knows what and slams uh, slams into some uh, some misbegotten town and uh, on on the on the premise of the United States trying to kill some bad guy, and the next thing you see are mamas and daddies pulling their little ones dead, their broken bodies out of the rubble because we were trying to get a bad guy. I've often wondered if the person, if the if the young sailor. ever feels any degree of responsibility for that. Because I, I don't think I could stand it. And so today on uh, MSNBC, I heard somebody say, well, you know, Hamas, uh, Hamas dire- directly targeted uh, those innocents. Uh, the IDF aren't targeting civilians. So you're mur- murdering them negligently? That's not a defense. If that was ever tried in the Hague, I don't think it would I don't think it would impress any judges. <sighs> and then there's the old uh, the, the the old saw uh, or wow, well, you know, the the, the pa- Palestinian numbers 10,000 dead people. I mean, wow, well, you know, that's the that's the Ministry of Health and it's con- it's controlled by Hamas, so we don't necessarily Trust those numbers. Okay, 8,000. Don't trust those either. Six? Nope, Hamas. How about five? Uh Uh-uh, Hamas. Can't be trusted. You know what? There's probably no dead people in Gaza. Those are all just created by, 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 by Hamas to make Israel look bad. I mean, when Alex, Alex Jones says that shit about crisis actors and there not really being any dead children at Sandy Hook, we, we rightly react with outrage at the shameless lying but that's Alex Jones But if a PR flack for Israel says it, we're like, oh, okay. But people are dead. They're not coming back. And they are dead at our hands. U.S. taxpayer dollars buy those missiles, buy those bombs. The planes, the helicopters, the semi, the, the, the fully automatic weapons. How is the blood not on our hands? Nobody's hands are clean, Obama said. 
And he was right when he said there are people right now who are dying who have nothing to do with what Hamas did. How can 4,000 children have anything to do with what Hamas did? They don't. They're just being killed as retribution. This is some serious Old Testament eye-for-an-eye bullshit. And we all know that an eye-for-an-eye and the world goes blind. Don't we? Or is this special? Every evening since November the 7th, I think, how am I not going to talk about this? Because I don't want to talk about it. I do not want to talk about it. Hamas does not want peace. The Israeli government, the 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 the, the uh, religious extremists who are at the head of the Israeli government do not want peace. They want Gaza. And they want the West Bank. There are elements, and, and, and it is in the Christian world, uh, you know, the weirdos who are out there trying to breed a pure red heifer so the temple can be rebuilt because then Jesus comes down and they go on their uh, frog gigging festival well not really frogs and the blood runs as high as uh, uh, what a horse's knees or something the horse's I don't know it's just more of that bloody madness in that book Yeah, Stephen, New York says, don't forget the white phosphorus. We, we we bought that too, the white phosphorus, yes. Sticks to your skin and keeps burning. Willie Pete. This is what happens when you let religious extremists run government. You get the ruling coalition in Israel, you get Hamas, you get Iran, and you get the Speaker of the House in the United States. And horrible things happen all over the planet. So, maybe that'll be the end of that for this evening. I don't like insoluble problems. Uh, yes, Emilio, you cannot do a die job on, an, on a different heifer and make the... No, you can't do that. Don't give them any ideas, for God's sakes. You can't, you know, there are no cow wigs either. You know, full body cow wigs. Amelia. Oh, and uh, just because there is a lot of irony attached to all of this. I saw where one 
uh, Israeli soldier, a woman, uh, had returned and her name was Megiddo. There is a hilltop town, an ancient one, in Israel called Har Megiddo. You might know it better as the all slammed together Armageddon. And Scott would be giggling right now because he would be thinking about uh, thinking back to the how he yeah, he first learned about Har Megiddo by reading Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth and the sequel, The Late Great Planet Earth. No, really. And then the third one, The Late Great Planet Earth. I really wasn't kidding. It just hasn't happened yet, but it's gonna. Revelation 14.20 and the wine press was trodden outside the city. And blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. That was a measurement of distance. <sighs> Yuck. Stephen New York says, I disagree with you. I sadly disagree with you. They don't want Gaza. They don't want the West Bank. They want them without the Palestinians. Well, I think that I think I was imply I was trying to imply that, but maybe I wasn't specific enough. Uh, one last thing, and then I will move on. I have seen a theory, because everybody's trying to figure out why Hamas did that on November 7th. I've said that Pootie's fingerprints are all over it, because it looks like a Pootie operation. It looks like Ukraine with better weather, to a certain extent. And... Uh, uh, one individual did say that uh, his take on it was that Hamas did it to derail the ongoing negotiations between Israel and our partner in peace, the Saudis, the Royal House of Ibn Saud. Because the Saudis were getting ready to, uh, moving toward recognizing Israel as a state, Israel, Without and, and, and basically hanging the Palestinians out to dry and not demanding a two-state solution. And so that Hamas did that to try to keep that recognition and opening of diplomatic relations from occurring. And I give that, I, I give, I give that some credence. Because the Saudis, of all the, of all the nations in that benighted region of the planet, the Saudis are the biggest bigots and racists of 
all those countries. They look down there, you know, as the as the country that has Mecca and Medina in it. They look down their noses at Muslims from other countries, be it Indonesia, Malaysia, India, Iraq, God knows, Iran. And they really despise the Palestinians. It's not an ethnic line. It is, in fact, a fiscal line. Because the Saudis are rich, 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 rich. And the Palestinians are, well, the paraphrase Wolf Blitzer, so poor, so brown. But I still think, uh, Still think Pootie's fingerprints are all over this. No cow wig, says Lee. Then explain that thing on Nitwit Nero's head. Well, moo, y'all. Uh, what's that, Todd? Hello, Newman. <laughs> Thank you for emphasizing what seems to resonate with many folks. We keep hearing about the rapes. Sounds like Scottsboro Boys stuff. A nation state wants them, wants them gone. Mow the grass. Be done with the problem. Looks like a land grab, guys. Gaza. It'll be a resort town, and no one will ever know about the history. Remember, it was always the equation of the nation state. They got, they had to kill at least seven to ten of their adversaries for every settler hurt or killed. Yeah, eye for an eye. Darlene says. Uh, I've been biting my tongue from saying this idiom for quite some time, but you said it, so here's my view. It's actually been ten eyes for an eye. That's how Israel has always responded and been enabled and allowed to do so by the U.S. and by uh, by us to respond. And he said on January 6th, Since the beginning of our American history, we've been engaged in change, in a perpetual peace revolution, a revolution which goes on steadily, quietly adjusting itself to changing conditions without the concentration camp or the quick time in the ditch, quick lime in the ditch. The world order which we seek is the cooperation of free countries working together in a friendly, civilized society. That was the 1941 State of the Union address by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, The Four Freedoms. And Darlene says, if only, if only... But yeah, it it is ten eyes for an eye. Uh, talking about it, Stephen New York says, I completely agree that I'd like to not talk about it. It's nearly impossible. My therapist has told me that everyone has been talking about it, and you know why you can't? You probably know this. You're a per- you're a person who hates to see the killing and death and destruction, especially of innocent people. Yeah. That's why the program, I closed the program yesterday with the death of an innocent. By her own hand. But the gun was put in her hand by some click-hungry Christian maggots. 
I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Then there's this. Thank you, John. Capitol Police made an arrest today in Washington, D.C. In the statement put out by the uh, Capitol Police, they said, USCP officers just arrested a man with a gun in the park across from Union Station. At this time, we have no reason to believe there is an ongoing threat. We're working to gather more information. We'll put out more details when they're confirmed. And yes, it was an AR-15. God, I've walked through that park a million times. Gotta wonder what he was what he was thinking about. He was outside um, on the Senate side of the Capitol. I don't know if we'll know much more beyond that. Thank you, Christopher. Christopher jumped in uh, 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 first through uh, this evening. We are at 971. Christopher said, let's at least get back to an even number. And so we are now at 960. And that's uh, $40 to go. Uh, to uh, meet the Shut the Fuck Up Donnie challenge from yesterday. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you so much. Um, And uh, Arnold with some thoughts. The money comes back to us, they say. The government contracts the bullets, the bombs. It all comes back. The aid comes back. Fuck all these people. If you believe in God, the gift of free will and our intellect is so that we do not fight and we do not make war. Yeah, I think that's, that's how it's supposed to work. Does it ever? Well, okay, Matt in San Francisco, uh, Saudi. You'd look down at others, too, if you lived in a kingdom with a king and everything, even has Mecca, the ultimate tourist destination. And the weather can't beat it. Possible side effects include beatings, rape, and possible decapitation. Headloppers! Yeah. It's a kingdom. She's a Libra. I don't know why. Thank you, Ralphs. Uh, uh, we have uh, $15 to go on the Shut the Fuck Up Donnie Challenge now. Thank you so much, Ralphs. Oh, God, it is Titanic Tuesday, though, so we have to deal with some Titanic right-wing intellect, don't we? There's nothing... There is nothing that doesn't piss off... The maggots, and now they're, well, now they're, no, really, now they're mad at the courtroom sketch artist. In particular, 
Kali Maganini is furious. Uh, the the, the uh, outrage du jour occurred on the five. I mean, look, I would advise them to ask for a better sketch artist because that does not look like my former boss there. His, his posture is a shambles. He's got his head tilted. But the sketch artist was generous. The sketch artist didn't even give him all of his chins. And my God, Nitwit Nero has more chins than a, than a Beijing phone book, okay? Uh, Kayli Maganini said, this whole thing is just a travesty of justice. And the sketch is a travesty, too. It looks nothing like Trump. Six foot three and 215 pounds. And, of course, uh, Nitwit Jr., Trader Tot, uh, was also out there uh, asking the sketch artist to make him look sexy. Oh, my God, those people. And one of the sketches, I, again... No chins, but, you know, he's doing the thing with his hand, with his wrist together and his hands out. You know, believe me, believe me. But from where I sit, it's almost like the sketch artist confused him with Miss Lindsay. He looks more like Lindsey Graham in this sketch than he looks like Donald Trump. And I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. The Lincoln Project said, wow. Uh, that courtroom sketch artist was feeling very generous yesterday. Of course, that was back in June. They youthened him up. Six three two fifteen. 215. In your bra. <sighs> But uh, yeah, Kali is mad. Kali has a Kali can't stand it. A travesty! A travesty! Meanwhile, there's a new um, new ad out from the Lincoln Project. At least they're making they're making they're making our devolution into chaos gigglesome. Now they're coming after I, precious princess. I wank him a daddy Trump Kushner. Oh, Donnie, she's taking the stand, the one you always wanted and could never have. She and Jared tried to get away from you, to ignore you, using your name to make billions. 
you're embarrassing to her, uncomfortable, gross. My dad's communication style is not to everyone's taste. She's looking for an exit, freedom from you. So when she testifies, she'll sell you out. Maybe she already has. What'd she tell Letitia James behind your back? What deal did she cut? The statements are explicit that the preparation was the responsibility of Mr. Trump. She'll do anything to be away from you, forever. All those years hoping she'd be the one. Now, she's just a witness against you. And if you think she'll ever visit you in prison, think again. Ooh. And the thing is, it has the uh, it has the vibe of truth, doesn't it? Of course, there's nothing really in that ad that we haven't discussed on this program over the course of the last five or six years. I think I told, I think I tweeted back when he was on that website that used to be called Twitter. I think I actually tweeted at him once and said, "You, you know, you know, Iwanka is going to give you up, right?" They're all going to throw you under the bus. They're all going to sell you out. But the uh, Lincoln Project did it so much more viciously. Uh, Matt in San Francisco says, sketch artist. Mits, missing chins. Pastels come with only one orange pencil. <laughs> I didn't know. I've learned a new thing today. There's no, there's no burnt orange and like orange orange and yellowish orange. No, no. Uh, stop it, Robin. Says Lee in New York. They have to go fast. There's no time for all the chins. That's true. If they if they didn't yet, yeah, mm. and you can't yell "sit still, sir." Amelia says, "But the Saudis do look fashionable with their head garb." The men, anyways, I can't tell what the women look like. Maybe they have fun hiding all sorts of silly things under their burkas. And the men's head garb doubles as a gingham tablecloth in a pinch. Now quit that. Gingham tablecloth. Uh, Flavio. Mango Mussolini. I still can't get over strawberry blonde. <laughs> I know. Once upon a time, I was a strawberry blonde. I know what I know what that color looks like. So we have uh, crossed into the second hour of the program. If there's anything on your mind and you'd like to chat, uh, this is a conversation radio program. Uh, feel free to uh, dial in. Um, wait a minute. I had the stress line phone in the bedroom. I'm going to have to. Go in there. Get it. But that's okay. We've got the Green News Report. And that will afford me time to run and uh, grab the phone. 
But the stress line is, of course, um, 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN. You can get in via, uh, you can get into the program via the uh, Skype, and that is Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, one word, and that'll get you, uh, get you here as well for whatever's on your mind. Uh, hopefully we'll knock down 15 bucks for, uh, uh, TJ's Shut the Fuck Up Donnie Challenge. And that'll get us down to, uh, 870 to go to get caught up. That would be today and yesterday and most of last Friday get to go. $270 of last Friday. But we've cleared October. Hallelujah. Uh, Flavio says, Alina Hobbin, Hobbin, Hobbin. Oh my God, you're right. Every day she looks more like melanoma. I'm telling you. This is one of those I don't just say things moments. So I'm going to go grab the stress line phone and let's find out what Brad and Desi are up to. It's Tuesday, November 7, 2023. Authorities are issuing a stern warning for the bushfire season. Australia braces for El Nino to intensify already dangerous bushfires this year. October 2023 was the hottest October on record, plus... Look, guys, uh, we're announcing historic investment in America's railroads. I've been talking about this for a long time, I know. But finally... Finally, we're getting it done. President Biden unveils nation's largest investment in rail infrastructure in 50 years. All of those stories and other ones that will be ignored by the mainstream corporate media, straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. You know, we may have had a hot summer, but I just went trick-or-treating trick with my kids and it was like, you know, the low that evening was 29 degrees. So, so climate change is over. Thank God fall is here. Congressman Andy Ogles, Republican from Tennessee. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, don't tell Congressman Ogles about what happened in October. It'll (laughs) surprise and shock him. Yes, the Earth just had its hottest October on record by a large margin since record-keeping began in the mid-1800s. But it was 29 degrees when Andy Ogles went trick-or-treating. That's according to preliminary data from European forecasters. October 2023 was the fifth month in a row to set a new monthly global heat record, meaning that 2023 is now a lock to finish as the hottest year ever recorded on the planet. Berkeley Earth climate scientist Zeke Housefather warns that we are still pretty early in the current El Nino cycle and its full climate warming effects are still yet to come. Global temperatures are likely to hit new records in 2024. Oi. 
In Australia, bushfire season is off to a roaring start, with fire crews battling more than a thousand destructive wildland fires in Queensland over just the last two weeks. Ranchers have been urged to sell their cattle herds because the ongoing bushfire emergency is also exacerbating a national feed shortage. Wow. On ABC Australia, Emergency Services Minister Stephen Dawson warned residents that El Nino is going to intensify hot and dry conditions in the already massive bushfire season. There's no doubt that we are in a, you know, we're having a change in climate and what we're seeing this year is fires that are earlier. They will be more frequent. We will see a long, hot and dry summer. Here in the U.S., a new report from the Senate Joint Economic Committee calculates that wildfires exacerbated by man-made climate change cost the U.S. between 4 and $900 billion every year. Mm. The comprehensive analysis calculated costs from property damage, economic losses, watershed pollution, and other long-term factors. The Senate committee warns the estimates are likely and undercount of the true total cost of wildfires in the United States. Oh, I hope Congressman Ogles doesn't hear about that. Speaking of, in politics, the Republican majority in the U.S. House passed a bill along party lines to slash the budget of the Environmental Protection Agency by nearly 40 percent, gutting funds for state and local water systems and rescinding parts of the Democrats' landmark climate law that help low-income communities address air and water pollution. Oh, no. Let's pretend that's actually going to be taken up by the Senate, passed there, and signed by the president. Well, House Republicans know that the pro-fossil fuel bill won't pass in the U.S. Senate, but they pushed it through anyway. One of 12 must-pass spending bills to avert a government shutdown in a little over a week. Prepare for government shutdown. Meanwhile, President Biden on Monday announced $16 billion in new investment in rail transit infrastructure repairs and upgrades, the largest since the creation of Amtrak more than 50 years ago. Funding from the infrastructure law will go to 25 projects along the aging critical commuter network of the Northeast Corridor, the busiest rail line in the United States, to reduce traffic congestion and cut air pollution and carbon emissions that drive global warming. A fully electrified trains on this corridor emit 83% less greenhouse gases, by the way, than driving your car. It matters. It's like taking 500,000 automobiles off the road every day. And finally, a very big win in Michigan for things that breathe. Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer is expected to sign sweeping climate and environmental legislation passed by the state legislature's Democratic majority. That includes reaching 100 percent clean electricity by 2040 and funding to boost electric grid stability, prevent blackouts and lower energy costs for consumers by expanding cheaper renewable energy. The law also includes critical reforms to the clean energy permitting process to counter the coordinated fossil fuel funded anti-renewable disinformation campaign in rural areas of the state that have been working to block farmers and rural governments from installing renewable energy. Things that breathe? Yep. You mean people that breathe? Everything that breathes. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.brandblog.com. I'm Brand Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Saw that one coming. Titanic Tuesday on the horn. 
And lots and lots of titanic intellect for sure. Uh, let's go. Let's go to this clip. This is fun uh, because it points out just how truly not particularly intelligent Alina Havana 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 is. Uh, here she is on, uh, and this has been my Celis from uh, Midas Touch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is her talking to Bill Hemmer and uh, some attack blonde on Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. I'm not going to give you our strategy, but all I can say is when I said to him, you need to let my client finish speaking. He was cutting him off every time there was good testimony, every time there was testimony that explained how ridiculous this is. And you have to understand, real estate is not simple. Real estate is complicated. But this is the real estate icon type. I mean, who's bigger than Donald Trump? And you sit there and you're trying to challenge him. It's not going to work. He's going to explain it to you. But he didn't like the explanations. He was cutting him off. And I said, Your Honor. I mean, who's bigger than Donald Trump? Uh, Shall we make a game of this? I'll start. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is bigger than Donald Trump. Also, the Statue of Liberty. Walking through Manhattan in the second Ghostbusters movie is bigger than Donald Trump. She's a harbor chick. You need to let him speak. This is what trials are for. Let my client speak. And the judge said, I'm not here to hear him speak. And I can be honest with you, as I heard those words, I said, I just looked at the screen. I said, okay, it's on the record. And, and you know, as a lawyer, you have strategy and you take things, uh, you know, those I'll keep to myself, but we'll be proceeding as we should. That was Alina Haba, Donald Trump's lawyer. Uh, she represents him in connection with the New York. Count- Come on, Ben Micellis, counsel for the parking garage. York Attorney General civil fraud case currently in its sixth week of trial. And she's talking about Donald Trump's testimony. Well, sort of. I mean, she is just completely lying about what went down. But I wouldn't expect less from a MAGA lawyer. Make attorneys get attorneys. And there, Alina Haba saying that on cross-examination, Donald Trump was answering the questions perfectly. And out of nowhere, Judge Ngoron said, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to hear what you have to say. That's not what happened. Let me explain what happened and let me debunk what Alina Habba said very easily. I'm Ben Micellis. This is the Midas Touch Network where facts actually matter. So Donald Trump was cross-examined yesterday. On cross-examination, you get asked a series of questions by the opposing lawyer. Oftentimes, they're yes or no questions that require yes or no answers. And oftentimes, you'll be asked other questions that are very clear and concise and that require responsive answers. And if you start rambling about things that have nothing to do with the questions that are being asked, Lord, I was born a rambling man. Sorry, I heard the rambling and it just immediately popped it. Okay, there's one. Flavio says the Pillsbury Doughboy bigger than Donald Trump. Yeah. Michelin Man bigger than Donald Trump. 
Jolly Green Giant, bigger than Donald Trump. Although apparently Stormy Daniels says that uh, he's more like the uh, little green sprout. But, it, yeah, she... Alina Hobbin, Hobbin it really is a dum-dum. Uh, Matt in San Francisco, real estate is complicated, and math is hard. Every time I hear the name Elena Haba, I think of stuffed grapes. <laughs> oh, Matt. <laughs> stuffed grapes. Hmm. Quality. Yeah, um, but... Uh, When even even Fox News TV Radio Rwanda is giving her the well, just my God, it's Fox. The civil fraud trial against him. Alina Haba is the general counsel and legal spokesperson for Save America. Good morning to you. Um, there, there's a lot to shoot at here. Let me try and just characterize this. I think the best way possible in trying to forecast what's next, okay? Uh, you've been asked many times, why are you being tried by the judge? Why not take it to a jury? Mm -hmm. But apparently, based on New York law, make sure I got this right, a consumer protection statute that denies the right to a jury, correct? That's why it's before a judge? Is that correct? <laughs> no, no, you don't need to... She clapped. She clapped. Like... Like it's kindergarten. Arnold says, Jesus Christ, is she stupid? How did she pass the bar? Your Honor, my client is allowed to ramble on. Oh, now we've got a Led Zeppelin reference. Okay. He's Donald fucking Trump after all. And at some point, she'll probably say that. Your Honor, my client is Donald fucking Trump. What's going on here? This is, again, that same segment with Bill Hemmer and the attack blonde and you know, counsel for the parking garage. Matt, a six-inch ruler, bigger than Trump. Oh. Um, Lee in New York, obligatory Star Trek reference. Bigger than Trump. Apollo, yes. Much bigger than Trump. Hell, he was bigger than his own temple. Plot. That is absolutely right. So we if that's the case, the and, and you think that the judge already yeah. preordained his verdict before we don't the witness, we know. okay, even before the witnesses right. took the stand, then you're going to be found guilty in this case on behalf of the judge. Okay. What I don't understand is what happens on appeal. Mm. Do you go before another judge, or is that the point by which you could have a seated jury? Yeah, wait, what? I'm going to have to go back for some of this stupidity. Or we don't the witness. We know. Okay, even before. I mean, it takes some special dumb to ask this question. That's the, the case. And, and you think that the judge already yeah. preordained his verdict before we don't the witness. We know. Okay, even before the witnesses. Right took the stand, then you're going to be found guilty in this case on behalf of the judge. Okay. What I don't understand is what happens ah! on appeal. Do you go before another judge? or He's not going to be found guilty of anything. He's not. That, this isn't that trial, Bill Hammer. 
God, I remember when he started out at CNN and he seemed like a real up and coming kind. And then, well, you know, the Fox money and he uh, he 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 took he got LASIK and then then he took off his smart looking you know Clark Kent glasses and went to Fox and. Now he asks dumb questions like that. You're going to be found guilty. No, Bill Hemmer. He is going to be found liable. He's already been found liable for fraud. Now the trial is, and, and I guess Alina Habana 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 either doesn't know or doesn't want to smarten up the chumps. Remember, that's W.C. Fields' third commandment. Never give a sucker, sucker, you can't, you can't cheat an honest man. Never give a sucker an even break, and don't smarten up a chump. Uh, the Fox News audience is, as our dear friend Reverbo once coined the term, well chumped. But then this question, and Steve heard it too in New York. Did you hear that? When he asked her if on appeal it would be for a jury, and she said, "Yeah, let's get that." in this case on behalf of the judge what i don't understand is what happens on appeal Mm. do you go before another judge or is that the point by which you could have a seated jury in a city that voted eight to one democrat yeah okay so that there's so many things there to unpack number one if we had a jury who's to say that it would matter in new york and i've tried cases for the president in new york in front of juries and it doesn't matter but you're right we don't have the option it's equitable relief and another reason we didn't have the option this liability was predetermined through a motion before the trial he found us summarily liable He said that we committed fraud, we meaning Trump organization and all the defendants, committed fraud on their statement of... You mean your husband, kind of sleazy rice wannabe, auditioning to be Mrs. Trump number number four? Because I'm sure sure Elena Havana 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 thinks that uh, Donald is wealthier than her parking garage magnate husband, Greg Rubin. And remember, the business with, and, and I know, I, no, we don't comment on women's appearances. But remember, Cassidy Hutchinson said he told her to go and put streaks in her hair, and she went home and did it that night. She stopped, she stopped on the way home from the White House and bought a box of, of, of highlighting dye and highlighted her hair to please Donald Trump. And the same, and if you look at old photos of Alina Havana Havana Havana, it's the same thing. It really is the same thing. So would she would she throw over the the, the, the parking garage guy in a minute? financial condition because they were too low, when in fact they were, in many instances, undervalued. It didn't matter. The judge didn't hear an expert. He didn't hear anything. So now what we're doing is making a record. There's no question that whatever happens here, liability's already been found. We're effectively in a damages trial, and it's a waste of money. But he likes the show. We can see. Letitia likes the camera. So at this Letitia point, we're James just... James is the attorney general in New York. Unfortunately, yes. So we are... Unfortunately, yes. Oh, dear, dear Robin, you said she highlighted her hair. Is that right? Yes, she put highlights in. Streaks. 
what what happened? And and uh, Arnold adds, uh, he has to sit next to her, so she had to be pretty. Noting, oh, she's hoping to be mushroom deep, I'm sure. Well, there went dinner in the. We we managed to salvage the dinner hour in the Eastern Standard Time Zone now, but uh, just took it on the chin in the Central. Oh, highlighted, not high lit. My father got that on a synapse that will not give up. The smoking the smoking lamp is lighted. It is not lit. Highlighted, yes. I mean, didn't didn't you have highlighters in, in in when you were having your cup of coffee in law school? Did you say I highlight this passage when you took the little yellow marker and? Um, went over, you know, right there where it says all liability is based on fault. Yellow, yeah. Highlighted? Yes. We are continuing our record, and we will take it up on appeal to a bench of a uh, panel of attorney of judges. And, uh, you know, the appellate division, I'd like to think, Got is it. a so, lot more So, fair. just to be clear, it's a bank of judges. Yes, not is one. That- it's a bank of judges. Like a murder of crows. Three, is that six, is that nine, what it's is it? It's usually three, and the panel changes, so we'll okay, see. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so, and how quickly could that happen? Well, we've been in the appellate division. We won in the appellate division on some instances. Uh, Ivanka Trump testifying tomorrow. She's technically not in this case. Mm-hmm. And the judge rolling, was told rolling, that rolling. the statute of limitations needed to be a reasonable statute of limitations, but he's ignoring it and allowing evidence in from as far back as 2011, imagine. Um, he, there's a real disregard for authority here and a real primary focus on politics, and that's what we're seeing in the courtroom. Okay, so there was, uh, we read the transcript, Dane and I were live in the air yesterday. I I found it quite fascinating, the back and forth. Mm -hmm. And what the former president said is that you ruled me to be a fraud before you even met me or heard my story. And the judge said at one point, I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Yeah, that was in response to So how do you use that effectively when you get before the next well, I'm, Bank not, of judges. I'm not going to give you our strategy, but all I can say is when I said to him, you need to let my client finish speaking. He was cutting him off every time there was good testimony. Every- I have a feeling she's going to wind up in serious trouble with the New York State Bar. Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. But there are ethics rules for... <clears throat> For, for how a lawyer how a lawyer behaves relative to the tribunal and she kind of can't go out on the street and just trash the court it's kind of it's, it's kind of like the uh, and and the people who are veterans in the Horn Family Community Congregation will get this. 
in the military, you don't salute the person, you salute the rank. And even if a judge is a complete piece of shit, you don't talk to him or her that way because it demeans the justice system itself. We say, people say, Your Honor, not because the judge is particularly honorable but because of the role that the judge is supposed to be fulfilling on the bench. I mean, I've known some really not honorable your honors. Thinking of one particular Nazi. Really. Um, and that's you know just the beginning. The most transphobic, homophobic bigoted, nasty uh, member of the West Virginia State Legislature is going to run for judge next May in my county. And God help anybody from the LGBTQ plus community who goes before him. Because he is a bigot. Uh, uh, Lee in New York, she had to look pretty. She had to look pretty because she sat next to him. He did not have to do anything for sitting next to her. No, because he, he's just naturally wonderful. On a serious note about parking job Esquire, Steve says, uh, this is really sad and pathetic. Robin, she really doesn't know the law. It's very obvious she's speaking to a one-person audience. Now make sure you're pretty when you go on. They're going to have you there with one of those fabulous box bonds. You've got to be prettier than her, Nolina. Oh, as a lawyer, you have strategy and you take things, uh, you know, those I'll keep to myself, but we'll be proceeding as we should. That's another way of saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. There is no strategy. Uh, and we're screwed and he's broke. In the Carrie Kupak, who was one of our uh, employees here, who was in the courtroom yesterday, she used to work at DOJ. And one of the things she said that's pretty unusual is that Letitia James is in the courtroom every day, just sitting in the back, mm -hmm. as if there's nothing else on her docket that she needs to worry about. Yeah, that's accurate. And she's only there, more importantly and more tellingly, on the days that there's heavy press. She yeah. doesn't come to court every day. She's frankly never put a statement on the record in court. Um, I'm not really sure if she practices, but she definitely manages her PR and, and not very well, if I may say, but that's what she's there okay, for. Okay, so Ivanka Trump is on the stand tomorrow, then you, your turn by the end of the week, I would assume, right? Um, no, courts are closed Friday for Veterans What about Day. Thursday? Thursday, we'll be making our motions relating to some biases we've seen in the courtroom, some biases we've seen outside of the courtroom, and frankly, how they just haven't been able to. So, how much case. of your ham will you show next week then? On Thursday, we'll or, or show a will lot you, of it. or will you save it for the appeal? I think Thursday will show a lot. We have to make a record. So, Thursday will be a big motion day where we'll outline how there is no case um, and how there should be a mistrial and a directed verdict. And then Moving on from there, you know, we'll be able to put our case in chief on. Everybody needs to remember this has been just their case, and we haven't been cross-examining thoroughly or doing any. 
Um, that's kind of an, that's kind of a confession there of um, uh, um, ineffective assistance of counsel or legal malpractice. We haven't been cross-examining thoroughly. Um, okay. Honestly, their case in chief, I, I have no idea what it's going to be. Put him back on the stand and, and, and try to let him ramble on. Yeah, questions of the witnesses, because we're looking forward to putting our case on. And that'll be interesting. Happy. Okay. And after this, the next case is <laughs> Carol. I don't Carol boxes. What's that, New York? January 6th. We've got so many. Okay. Carol and New uh, York. Well, we'll get a flow chart together. So our audience. Yeah, can don't worry. Us. I have one. <laughs> Great to have you. Thanks. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, Jesus. She 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 is walking legal malpractice. And for the life of me, I don't know. Okay, uh, let's let's try this one on. He hired a deliberately incompetent lawyer so that when everything goes south, he can blame the incompetent lawyer. She has no idea. She she has no idea. Uh, this this graduate of Widener University Law School. She has no idea what's coming at her. All the highlights, the fashion. Remember, she wanted to work in the fashion industry, but went to law school for the money. I mean, those are her own words. So, you know. Oh, well. Hey, um, we are past the halfway point of the program. We got $15 to go on TJ's Shut the Fuck Up Donnie Challenge because it got in kind of late last night. And, uh, well, uh, hopefully we'll knock that down. That'll get us down to 800 and, uh, 870 bucks. Um. Ralph's pointing out, as Ben Micella said, the DA cross-exams and the defense defends, I think. Well, it depends on which part of the trial you're in, Ralph's. Uh, you, uh, when, when, when the case, when, the, when the, the plaintiff is putting on their case in chief, they have to do direct examination, which means that they can't ask leading questions unless the witness is determined, to be, uh, is determined by the court to be hostile. Upon cross-examination, the defense can ask leading questions, but then the defense puts on its case in chief and has to ask direct questions and can't lead. I don't know if Alina Havana 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 understands any of this. One of the things that I have learned just uh, through, uh, to some extent on the program, but often just in exchanges off air, uh, Steve in New York has shown me some of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the paperwork, you know, pleadings, motion practice, that sort of thing that he runs across. And frankly, um, I'm flabbergasted. Some of the stuff, some of the pleadings that Steve has shown me from his opposing counsel, 
would have gotten the likes of me flunked out of legal writing in law school. You know, I guess in a city as big as New York, or a state as big as New York, you're bound to have some bad lawyers. I mean, God knows there's bad ones here. But just from a just from a grammar a grammar and 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 uh, word knowing aspect, it's shocking. And even some of the legal principles involved, you know, for somebody like me who hasn't practiced in twenty years, are like what? You're actually putting that in front of a judge? That's going to be part of the public record? Holy shit! Um, Elena Havana Havana Havana, Matt in San Francisco, says she hasn't picked up on the fact that all 45's lawyers are only his counsel for a short period of time. Then they become defendant. Sometimes after that, they lose their license to practice law. That alone, Matt notes, speaks to her critical thinking skills. And they do. Uh, yeah, what did Ben Micellis say in that clip? MAGA, make attorneys get attorneys. MAGA, more attorneys going away. All right. Uh, let's run over to the stress line. Somebody's there. And see what's going on. Hey, welcome to the program. Good evening, Robin. Well, Dave, hey, how are you? Uh, a little better. I'm able to hold down food now. That's a win. Although if I listen to Miss Hominay anymore, I might uh, have a relapse. Uh, let's don't do that. Do I, do I need to close the show? No, 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 girl. You sure need to close the show. By the way, uh, a certain ex-wife of my acquaintance and yours wanted to congratulate you and Annette on the new grandbaby. Oh, thank you, Dave, and thank you, Christine. Um, I, I've been having to draw away from things for about the last month, as you know. Yes. But... This stuff, and, and I hate to bring up a sore, but it seems to me that Hamas needs BB like BB needs them. Um, it's sort of a mutual survival thing. They'll survive as long as BB needs them, and BB will need them as long as he's breathing. Remember, this is a guy who stepped on his own dead brother, who is a hero. Yeah, and Tebby. To get where he is politically. Yeah, and Tebby. Yeah. Uh, he died and in Tebby saving hostages. And I say he should be held up as a hero. Idi Amin was nothing but a brutal, bloodthirsty bastard who needed to get his nose smacked hard. And there is no, um, more than one thing can be right at the same time. You can be outraged by the attack on the seventh and should be. But at the same time, 
Not every Palestinian is a terrorist. Remember? Yeah, no. I mean, Casey Casey Kasem was a Palestinian descent. Was he? I, I thought he was Lebanese. Danny Thomas. Yeah, the, uh, Danny Thomas was Lebanese. Yeah. I mean, but these, these people have a tendency to think if your family's from that part of the world, you must be a terrorist or you must be a Muslim. Danny Thomas was a good Catholic boy. As a matter of fact, he and the Bishop of Memphis created St. Jude's. When created St. Jude as a as a um, as a place where the care would be desegregated. Black doctors would take care of white children as well as black children. And white doctors would take care of black kids as well as white kids. No child was going to be left out of it. And that was by agreement between Danny Thomas and, and the bishop. They required that of the hospital. The, the bishop said, well, if the church is going to be involved, we need to do this. And they were the first integrated hospital in the South. Yes. And you didn't see, you did not see the crockers burning crosses in front of the hospital or any bullshit like that. Now you probably would. But what bothers me is this rise in anti-Semitism and frankly Islamophobia. It's bad enough that it's been going on since before 9-11. Anti-Semitism goes all the way back to the founding of this country. You know, there were a lot of Jewish people that helped build this country. Hell, a Jewish family bought Monticello from the Jefferson estate. These, these idiots like uh, the Queen of Hell, Marjorie Trader Queen, and others need to get their fucking, shut their fucking traps and sit the fuck down. All they're there to do is make noise. Yes. And frankly, I'm done with it. I was glad to see that Andre Carson, my congressman, stood up with um, Representative Tlaib and, and, and said, we need to have a care for Palestinian civilians. I thought that was right. They were not praising Hamas as a, contrary to what the Republicans are saying. And like you said, 
she was at that protest at the behest of a Jewish peace group. But that's not mentioned. No. And then they have the temerity to bring a poor grieving woman whose family member was kidnapped to make political hay. You you, you saw that today, too? Yes, ma'am, I did. Because I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because I, uh, I was probably going to at some point. Um. I, I look. I just happened to be monitoring, and I looked up at the screen, and here, here's this poor woman uh, describing in agonizing detail finding out that her son had been kidnapped, and standing right behind her with this smug, self-satisfied look on his ugly face was Mullah Mike Johnson, who was using her as a political prop, and they put, and they put, and they, they they put on, and and what was the point, Dave? What was the point? If you if you can sort out, if you can suss that out, it'll be a big help to me. But the point was, they're trying to get those cuts, and they're trying to shame the Democrats, and they're saying you're not helping this poor woman. Uh, by not agreeing to our demands. That's what it is, Robin. That's why he had that smug look on his fucking track. I mean, that, that, that it's, it's, it's cold, it's calculated, and it's she, she and the brothers who, who spoke had come from Israel pur- uh, purposely for this. PR stunt. There's nobody in the United States. Paid for by some right wing group. Sure, but there's nobody in the United States who can help find their loved ones. The further the IDF goes into Gaza, the more at risk those people's lives become. And then the other thing that is true is that BB not only needs Hamas, but it's awfully damn convenient that there's no more talk of his uh, indictments. And frankly, I'll be glad when the Israeli people, who are a good Democrat, they're a good democracy when it's time to get rid of somebody. They're not afraid of voting them out or protesting them. But if I said the same thing that uh, Barack or any of the other uh, former uh, PMs or cabinet officials have said about Netanyahu, if I said that, I would be charged in federal court for anti-Semitism. I find it curious the United States has a statute against anti-Semitism as criticism of Israel, but there is no such anti-Semitic law in Israel for the same thing. 
Yeah. I mean, and it's all a it's all a set piece, Robert. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, what would happen? What would happen? This is this is just speculation. I, I I completely understand. But when I saw that they were, you know, when I saw where Israel used bunker buster bombs to gouge great craters in the ground and the uh, American need bunker buster bombs. Sure, we we make Gotta the get that American best bunker buster bombs on the planet, right? Right. So I saw those humongous craters, and the IDF said that they were doing it to uh, uh, because uh, there was a lot of Hamas command and control in the Jubalia uh, refugee camp. Wouldn't it kind of make sense that if that's the case? And they're see that's the thing the logic falls apart so quickly. Uh, they, they they claim that uh, Hamas uses Palestinians as human shields. Well, wouldn't they do the same with the hostages? Wouldn't they have them right there in command and control? What what if the Israeli people found out? that it wasn't Hamas who killed the hostages, but Bibi Netanyahu's lust for blood and his bunker buster bombs. He'd be sitting in an Israeli prison for the rest of his natural life. You really think so? I think so. And I think so because uh, Israel's not a large country. There, everybody has been affected by this. So much, much more than people in the United States after 9-11. We had a buildup in the military here, but still only about three or four percent of American people have a family member in the military. It's a very, very small percentage. I'm a little sensitive to that because Christine is a veteran. Several of my relatives are veterans. You know, I don't have the, the luxury of saying, well, if only this, then. I, I, I do say this. The military is one of my... Uh, uh, JROTC instructors uh, told me when I was a young man, he said, war is the failure of diplomacy for old men to send young men to die. Now he, he had been involved in the Tonkin Golf incident. Yeah. He was a Vietnam veteran. He and he was, and he had served uh, as a assistant naval attaché in the Middle East, so he understood the Middle East, and and he explained all this to us, and it made a lot of sense. And he, and he also further said, the last people that want to go to war are the people that fight. And if you remember that, then the young E3 you were talking about, 
I doubt if he presses the button and the missile goes off, he doesn't know exactly where that, what that's going to do when it gets there. He has an idea, maybe. But he was told fire and... And followed orders. He fires. Yes. Well, I, I, I asked that question because I, I asked that question, Dave, because um, I saw an article uh, about an interview uh, or comments made by uh, Matan Yafe. Uh, these happened on the platform that we used to know as Twitter, and yesterday the IDF said that fighter jets had struck 450 Hamas targets in Gaza and the troops seized a militant compound. Um, well, uh, this individual, an Israeli soldier, Matan Yatha, uh, describes himself on what used to be Twitter, as a father of five sons and a proud Israeli patriot. And the Twitter thread that he posted didn't give anything in particular about how Israel was going about prosecuting the slaughter of Gaza. But uh, he did go so far as to outright condemn the Israeli government's action and Psycho Bibi. Uh, he said he volunteered to fight. He's been serving as a captain because after the Hamas attack, it was clear to me that I was going to fight for the idea called the State of Israel, which he said he believed in his whole life. But over the last, uh, he, he said uh, he is demotivating now. His motivation is decreasing by the day. And he said that he had tried to suppress or look the other way at what was happening but unfortunately, the train of madness of the Israeli government does not stop. He went on to say, disgrace pursues disgrace. There are endless failures and disruptive events created by the government, each of which alone is maddening. I can tell you, ne this is a quote, I can tell you, never have I experienced a bigger crisis of confidence while fighting, and it has nothing to do with the enemy. It's all us. Even, and this is important, we have zero leadership, zero responsibility, zero professionalism, zero honesty, zero morality, zero wisdom. And he said that and mentioned Bibi Netanyahu by name. He added, even if we defeat Hamas, and I'm sure we will, it won't be thanks to the zeros in power, but thanks to the people in the field who go out to sacrifice their lives, even though they don't trust the government. We need new leadership. And over at Haaretz, Amir Tiban, uh, who writes for them, uh, said, We will not allow the failed, corrupt, and wretched government to avoid responsibility. Well, I'm going to bring up somebody from the distant past in Israeli politics. Moshe Dayan. The former well, he was the defense minister in Israel in the seventies. 
uh, people old enough to remember, he had an eye patch. Yes. And he had fought for Israeli independence. He 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 fought against British rule. He he, he fought you know for for the creation of, of, of the Israeli state. And concerning the Palestinians, and he was talking about uh, Arafat and the. He said, it's like having a tiger by the ears. You don't, you don't dare trust it, and you don't dare let go of the ears. Uh, and the right wing in Israel has been using that kind of logic for decades. Although I understand his point, at the time, he was probably correct. They've been using that as a drumbeat for 40, 50 years. What is horrible is when is the killing enough? I haven't heard of any more fresh killings in Israel itself and remember 27% of the residents of Israel are Palestinian either Palestinian Christians, Palestinian Muslims or yet even Palestinian Jews not wrong This is—it's madness, Robin. It is absolute utter madness, and I don't think what I'm saying is anti-Semitic. There needs to be—I I agree with that young young man. There needs to be a change in the government. There needs to be a change in leadership. They need professionalism in the military. If you're losing morale on something like this, this early, you're screwed. You're done. You're just doing the John McCain thing in Vietnam, inflicting more damage before the peace talks. That's it. That's all you're doing. It's... Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that that's the whole that's that's the whole thing. There's no there are no answers here, and and nobody seems interested in finding the ones that don't find any any answers that don't explode. Well, we got to get rid of the old old stock of munitions so we can build brand new ones. Right. right. I mean, you know, and those Palestinians aren't going to blow up themselves. Right. Right, and and God forbid, and, and I honestly believe this, that they should help Ukraine because Ukraine has a Jewish president. That they do. 
I think there's a lot of anti-Semitism there, too. Oh, sure. Yes. Because I mean, do, do, you, do you remember when this all got started and right-wingers in America were shrieking, you crow Nazis! Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a thing. But, I wanted but when to, they uh, do it, it's not... I want to, uh, by the way, um, uh, uh, Todd just wrote in and said, thank you, Dave. Yes. Um, to everything. And I wanted to mention that, you know, it, Todd was the first to say it, noting he ain't going to make it, talking about Trump. And, you know, apparently he lost his shit some yesterday. And so uh, over at Salon, Chauncey DeVega interviewed uh, a professor, Dr. Lance Dotas. He's the former clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Mm -hmm. And Chauncey DeVega asked him about Trump's state of mind and resulting behavior these last few weeks. Now, again, this is a former professor of clinical psychiatry at Harvard. And he said, Donald Trump's severe narcissistic antisocial sociopathic character disorder means he cannot tolerate or even acknowledge losses or defeats. And he went on and said, he's losing his grasp of reality. And he can't cope with anybody who dares to hold him accountable for his lies. And he said that... It uh, sounds like he's suffering from prejudice. Well, he... uh, The... the, uh, I think this may be worse than just the Alzheimer's that Fred had. Uh, he said that Trump is probably decompensating, and that's a term of art within the psychiatric community. Um, and added, Dr. Dotis did, it would be more precise to say that the decompensation consists of exposing an inability to see reality and violent self-interest that has always been who he is. As many have predicted, as pressure on him continues to rise, his claims of greatness, his inability to accept legal constraints or punishments, and his destructive impulses toward all who have limited him will increase. Ultimately, he may decompensate to the point of gross paranoid psychosis with even more obvious incitement to riots and civil war rather than accept the reality that he has been finally held accountable. In short, he's saying... He's going to try to do another January the 6th. The worse it gets, the more he's going to be inclined toward doing that. Okay. And that's, ter- Robin, that's terrifying. I but I gotta, and I got I to give credit to Todd for, you know, he ain't going to make it. I, I agree with you. Here's why. Okay. Uh, Justice and Garner rightly... Uh, you know, told him to keep it concise. Rightly, he did not limit uh, Trump's ability for free speech, but it's the judge's job to make sure that the hearing runs smoothly. That's one of their main jobs. And I am tired of lawyers who know better 
referring to Donald Trump as a defendant in this. He's not. He and his business are respondents. This is a civil matter, not a criminal one. And lawyers who know better aren't correcting the talking heads and going, no, the proper term is respondent, not defendant. It it is it is equitable, it is equitable relief. So yeah, it could it yeah it, it's petition it probably is petitioner and respondent. Although I haven't seen the pleadings. Um. However, it is Hamna Hamna Hamna's fault that the box wasn't checked for a jury trial. Now, Stephen New York would be able to see better whether they were entitled to one to begin with. But I know for a fact when trials are set up, there are two boxes. One says jury trial, check mark. Not in that, not in no, trial. not in this case. There was no there, okay. there was no option for a jury trial in this matter. Okay, so this is nothing but a red herring. Yes. And well, they're persecuting my warden here. Yeah, I you know. know. Oh my God! And you know what I think? Let him try the shit he pulled yesterday in front of an Article Three federal judge. Oh, and Stephen New York. Steve, the one by the way, Stephen New York says no. He is a defendant. Steve's seen the pleadings. Oh, okay. Thank you, Steve, for clearing that up. I was a little confused. Oh, and by the way, Jude said, welcome back, Dave from the Blind. Uh, Continue to take care and know what you offer always has its flow of information, perspective, and respect. Warmly, Jude. Thank you, Jude. That means a great deal. It really does, and I hope you're well and healthy. Robin... You know how much I love this community. I know. I know. It's it's people like Jude. It's people like Tracy. It's people like you and others, Steve in New York, who make this worth participating in. And if I can if I can contribute in some small way. It's I, great. I feel great. It's great to hear from you. It truly is. I'll get off here and let somebody else get on so they can talk again. We can expand the conversation. All right. Sounds good. Dave, take care mm-hmm. of yourself. I hope you continue to get feeling better. I know sometimes it's a slow slog, but just give yourself grace. Well, I'm going to I'm going I'm going to the hospital on Thursday for uh appointment with the gastrointestinal people. And so maybe they'll get to the bottom of this shit. It would I would like for you to have some answers. All right. I'll talk to you later, girl. All right, see you, Dave. Take care. Take hey, care and yourself. hey hey to Christine. Bye. Bye. Everybody Dave in the blind. 
this community never ceases to amaze me. It's beautiful. So, oh, and thank you, Robert. Robert got us uh, all but five dollars of uh, of um, TJ's "Shut the Fuck Up, Donnie" challenge has been met. We got five dollars left on that to go, and that'll get us down to uh, eight hundred and seventy dollars. Thank you so much, Robert. Uh, so you know, no, a little, you know, a little golf clap. Uh, for Todd being out in front of uh, being out in front of uh, a, 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 an actual real live honest to God clinical psychiatrist from Harvard Park the car in Harvard Yard absent with Tyler oh, sorry but uh, using using fancy psychiatric language I think I think Dr. Dotus is saying, the same thing we are, that eventually you're going to get the plaid blanket, the wheelchair, and the, and the oatmeal dribbles down his necktie. He may decompensate to the point of gross paranoid psychosis with even more obvious incitement to riots and civil war rather than accept the reality that he has finally been held accountable. Catiline. It's worth reading. Oh, there's our ancient Rome reference. Uh, Ralph says... Uh, I wonder if Donnie will go crazy after the Washington, D.C. trial. I think he's going to go crazy during every one of them. He has to he, he has to get through all of these things. He's got to be tried in Manhattan, in federal court. He's going to have to appeal, uh, and, and of course, counsel for the parking garage will tell him that, uh, oh, we're going to win on appeal, just like she sat there babbling ignorantly to uh, Bill Hemmer and whoever. And that may placate him for, the, for a time, but it's not going it, to last. It's not going to hold up. But he has to not go crazy during his Stormy Daniels. And the Stormy Daniels trial is going to be horrid for him. Because there's possi- there's a, po- a distinct possibility of, of some rather significantly salacious content. You know what I mean? After all, it was Stormy who was talking about a mushroom. Arnold making the reference earlier. Mushroom deep. L. And then he has to not go crazy in Washington, D.C., because these trials are going to happen, and I don't even know if in his delusional state he even understands that. I don't, I mean, I think he has terrible lawyers, and he has terrible lawyers because the good lawyers won't work for him, because they know who he is. They know he won't pay, they know he doesn't pay his bills. It's bad. So then he has to not go crazy, and I'm then, I'm not even sure what order I'm in at this point. He also has to not go crazy in in in, in South Florida, even though he thinks he has an ace in the hole with uh, 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 Aileen Cannon, 
his hand-picked maggot trial judge? But I still think that probably the absolute worst is going to be Georgia. Because it will be televised. And people will see him sweat. Hell, he may have Grecian foot, well, not Grecian, he may have shit running down the side of his head like Rudy Giuliani did. Hell, Rudy's going to be there. Oh, and from the department of God, can we possibly get more vapid? Don't ask. <sighs> the maggots, we heard earlier that Kali Maganini is having a hissy over the, the courtroom sketch artist. Now the maggots are having a hissy over the fact that back in high school, Justice in Goron may have had a shirtless photo. Or okay, maybe it's not. It's hard. It's hard to comprehend. Maybe it's a current shirtless photo published in his high school newsletter. So naturally, the hard-working, pixel-stained wretches of the for-profit media went. Well, they were on the. They were on the story. And the maggots are going wild. So somebody asked him about the photo, and he said, sorry, I can't comment. Bye. Because somebody dug it out of the alumni newsletter past issues. And this is... This is relevant how? But this is... This is the stupid time. And so yesterday we had the story of uh, Brittany Summerlin, also known as F.L. Bubba Copeland, mayor of Smith Station, Alabama, who was harming no one and was hounded to suicide by a right-wing uh, website. Uh, we got a different story today. Brad Benson... Brad. Brad Benson uh, was running for place number four on the Granbury City Council of Granbury, Texas. And 
uh, he is not a drag queen. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, he is not gay or trans or 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 or, or a crossdresser or no. Um, he was arrested hours before the election in, that, that he was contesting for child pornography. Just a good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, amosexual, Christian, Republican. The Republican Party of Hood County, Texas, uh, withdrew their support of him as quickly as right after he was arrested. Because, of course, they did. A spokes creep for the Republican Party of Hood County said uh, yesterday, Crimes of this degree tear at the heart and soul of society, and we condemn them in the strongest terms. The Republic... You might want to guzzle a little Pepto-Bismol before we get to this. Uh, Five, four, three, two, one. The Republican Party stands for the conservative family values and the protection of children. These heinous acts are antithetical to what Republicans stand for. The executive committee has conferred, spoken with law enforcement, confirmed more substantial information, and unanimously withdraws their support for Mr. Benson. It is time for the justice system to act. If Mr. Benson is proven guilty, the punishment needs to be swift and severe. Why not just hound him to commit suicide? We sincerely hope that the grace and peace of our merciful God comes upon all the children and families. You know, I think you could have used another verb, Republican Party of Hood County. And that the healing, repentance, and restoration will be seen in personal lives along with our beloved community. Brad Benson was a member of the Granbury Volunteer Fire Department. And he's still on the ballot. He was on the ballot when voters went to the polls today. It's who they are. And then there's uh, Ted Sull, S-U-H-L. Ted Saul um, was imprisoned on federal charges for running a bribery scheme. And Nitwit Nero commuted his sentence. Um, he, uh, he, he worked with a juvenile behavioral facility. He ran it called the Lord's Ranch. Should have saved this one for tomorrow. The Lord's Ranch. Get them up, little doggies. And now, having been, had his sentence commuted, Ted Sull is the defendant in a lawsuit 
over what happened at the Lord's Ranch. Because eight plaintiffs, who are anonymous, have come forward and said that they were in fact raped and physically abused by a senior staffer at the Lord's Ranch. The 53-page complaint is graphic in its descriptions of what was done to these eight children. Hey, uh, it would, his sentence was commuted uh, over a $20,000 bribery scheme where he was trying to pay off state health officials back in 2016. He went up the river on a seven-year sentence, but Nitwit Nero commuted his sentence in 2019. Uh, and also supportive of the commutation was pastor, brother, minister, former presidential candidate, and former Arkansas governor, Mike Huxterby. Also, uh, Diabetes, fake diabetes cure snake oil salesman, Mike Huxterby. In the complaint, it says leadership at Lord's Ranch either feigned concern while taking no action and allowing the abuse to continue or threatened the victims with reprisal should they report the abuse further. Birds of a feather, y'all, right? It's who they are. It's just who they are. Um, there was a uh, there was a bit of a uh, smackdown uh, on CNN this morning. Some enterprising Booker scheduled a former lawyer for Nitwit Nero, David Schoen, to come in and talk about the uh, the fraud trial. And apparently, he still feels some degree of loyalty to Nitwit Nero. It did not go well, and Poppy Harlow actually did her job. Yay. This in the state of New York, that could spell the end of his business empire. David Schoen is with us. He was an attorney on Trump's defense team in the second impeachment trial and speaks with the president regularly. Good morning, David. It's good to have you. I Former it was President interesting Pops. That Chris Tice, one of the president's mm. attorneys, said, quote, in my 33 years, I have not had a witness testify better. Do you agree? Uh, I, I don't have any idea what he means by that. But I think that uh, from President Trump's perspective, you know, it, it was a good day for him in that he stood up to what he believes to be a very unfair proceeding and much of America believes to be an unfair proceeding. Um, I'm not sure why they called him as a witness, frankly. This case is quickly becoming or has become already a circus. 
And I think this just added to it. Um, I think the judge sort of one of his comments epitomized the entire situation when he said, I don't want to hear what he has to say. Um, I, I'm not sure what purpose was served, except that I do think it will help President Trump in the polls. I think he stood up to a court that he believes to be unfair and sort of it's like for every American who supports him. You know, he called him a bully and that sort of thing. I think that serves him well in the polls politically. But, David, you're forgetting the second part of the judge's statement. Quote, we are here to hear him answer questions. And most of the time he's not. I take you on on your point about what the judge said, but that's the totality of what he said. Would you have advised Trump then to take the fifth if that's you right. were his counsel? Well, first of all, that's not in his personality, as you know, I'm he sure. He did it a lot in the um, deposition. I think that some. Yes, but this is a very public forum. Um, and I think that he, you know, he wanted to stand up for this judge. Listen, this is one of the cases in which I think much of America feels it's unfair. You have an attorney general who campaigned on getting Trump. And then you have a case which a, with a very unusual law, this um, executive law 6312. It does, we hear fraud, but it doesn't require any showing of materiality, any showing of any losses, any showing of any victims. And so it strikes people as unfair. And he kind of spoke for those people yesterday. Well, I mean, isn't that bullshit? The victim is the people of the state of New York who are defrauded of tax revenues that were due and owing. As to uh, Mango Mussolini going crazy, Steve says uh, in New York, I, I don't even think he cares about the criminal trials. They're good for his victim complex and raising money. This civil trial, however, goes right to his very essence as the successful businessman and billionaire. He claims to be Robin. We're going to find out that none of what he owns is worth what he's convinced people it is and that he doesn't fucking own it to begin with. Now put in the mix the fact that his surrogate wife, Iwanka, is not going to stroke his ego and will throw him under the bus. Her fortune and future are completely independent of him now. And, of course, that's what that is what um, uh, the Lincoln Project was getting at with their ad earlier today. And Jack Smith is uh, apparently uh, getting a little stronger in his language. Today, uh, the special prosecutor's team filed a motion before Judge Chutkin, addressing the fact that Nitwit Nero, in his paranoid delusional state, continues to say that he is being subjected to a vindictive prosecution. Well, in the motion today, uh, the prosecution said, there's no evidence that the indictment in this case was returned based upon anything other than the facts and the law and the defendant cannot meet the high bar that is required to succeed on a selective or vindictive prosecution motion. The defendant engages in rank speculation and offers the court nothing more than conspiratorial narr narratives of prosecutorial bias and abuse. This rumor and innuendo is not a substitute for proof, and it falls far short of the sort of clear, objective evidence that's required to support a selective or vindictive prosecution claim. The defendant fails to satisfy the standard to support the request a request for discovery, much less the extraordinary step of dismissing the indictment. In other words, it's all bullshit. 
throw it out, Your Honor. And there's a, there's a term that we've been known to use from time to time here. After he uh, threw his fit yesterday in court, uh, Charlie Sykes, who shows up on my filthy morning habit from time to time, also writes at the Bulwark, and this morning he said, The former President of the United States strutted his hour, actually several hours, on the witness stand. In this case, Donald Trump's rage testimony actually signified quite a lot. Here was the former president under oath in a trial that threatens to unravel his empire of fraud, and it went about as you might expect. The belligerent vitriol, bravado, grievance, and insults, the filibustering, logic rapes, tangents, boorishness, bullshit, and of course the lies. Trump seethed and exploded. Yesterday, Sykes continued, we got the whole show the one we've been living through for the past eight years and a glimpse at our collective futures. He was... And this is where I got a little giggle when I saw it. He he was displaying his lizard brain in full. (sighs) Lizard brain. Nothing left but amygdala and spirochetes. And uh, speaking of uh, my filthy morning habit, they were uh, intrigued, I think is a safe phrase, this morning. Uh, Curious is another good word about the bizarreness of Trader Tot, Nitwit Jr. I confess, I get, I, I get some joy out of this in the morning. Because it's, it's, it's well, you know why. 22 past the hour today. Shattered the for the bumper, the really? We will take the stand in the New York $250 million civil fraud trial Donald Trump Jr. is scheduled to testify Ooh, today. I don't know if I don't want to lead with him. Yeah, yeah this Eric was Trump last week. Trump will take the stand tomorrow. Ivanka Trump and former President Trump will testify next week. I haven't oh. seen him in a while. Have we seen? I haven't Which seen one? him in a while. Not as Junior, much as not he a whole had. Lot. Oh, he does like no, stuff he, on Insta. He doesn't do it that much anymore. It's not good when he does it. It's something's up. Something's up. We, he doesn't, yeah, do, he doesn't, he doesn't do it feel much. good or something. He's got a Something's 
Yeah. He is excited. Yeah. No, there's like, a, yeah, a hyperactivity or something. Yeah, he's up here. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. You read um, it. You read it. Go ahead. Let's keep going. The former president has continued to I'm sorry rant. To, I'm sorry to even bring that up. Well, I follow. I kind of watch. It's, I know you do. I can't help it. I know. All right. Uh, continued to rant about the ca uh, case online, including this truth social post, where he called out New York Attorney General Letitia James and posted her picture in court. Now, there's a limited gag order on the case, but it does not cover speaking about the attorney general or the judge. Wow, he's hmm. immature. Let's bring in well, NBC News uh, legal analyst Catherine. Can we get Houston. a breaking? Can we get a breaking news on that? He's immature. Okay. He's a five-year-old. It's just wow. Let's bring in Catherine Christian. She's, She's a former assistant DA in the Manhattan DA's it's office, exhausting. also with us, the president of the National Action Network and host of MSNBC's Politics Nation, Reverend so, Al Sharpton. Uh, Catherine Christian, very seriously, what do you think the Trump children? will be able to add to this, or do you expect them just to plead the fifth all day long? Well, assuming they don't plead the fifth. Right. Um, because if they do, that actually will hurt them. <laughs> they did In a criminal trial, it doesn't. no comment. But in New York, in a civil case, the judge, in this case the judge or the jury, will, can infer by that taking the fifth that what they would have said would have been harmful to them. That's why they didn't answer the question. So you say oh. it would be harmful, harmful to the outcome of the civil case, right? Yes, the civil case, but the problem, if they take the fifth. The problem, that, and I, I was thinking about this uh, coming in here, if you're one of the kids and you know... Right. They've been cutting corners and they've been cheating at their father's behest and their father has been lying about how much he's worth. Really, you're faced with if you want to be safe and you don't want to commit perjury, I mean, you're, you're faced with pleading the fifth. Yeah. Or, or committing perjury, so pleading the fifth may be their only route, right? I always say that if you lose a civil trial, you lose money. Right. If you lose a criminal trial, you might lose your liberty. So oh, that would okay. be the advice that I would give a client. I said, well, you know, you take the fifth and you'll probably lose because it'll be held against you in the civil trial. Right. But at least anything you say yeah. won't be used against you because you haven't said anything. Right, and Mika, if you commit perjury yeah. in a civil trial, no. then you lose money and you get sent to jail. So what about is, okay, so pleading the fifth in a cival trial, and you're saying is actually, it doesn't have, it has more repercussions. For the civil trial. Yeah. But what about saying I don't remember? <laughs> the I don't recall. Yeah. Well, it, it has to be legitimate. <laughs> I, I don't recall. They've got you documents. can't just like I don't recall. I yeah. don't recall. I don't recall. It'd be one well, thing. Do it'd be one thing if you said, "Were you at the party on the night of October the 14th, 2019?" It's another thing to say, "Here's this document with your signature on it." Well, what they can't say, I don't recall, to is, "Is that your signature?" Yes. So a lot of the questions might be. The attorney general already knows the answer to. Were you at that meeting with right. so and so? Yes. And was so and so and so and so there? Yes. Mm -hmm. And is that your signature? Yes. Are you familiar with that document? Yes. That's a financial statement of the company. So not they're not going to say yes. We intend to defraud. It's right. really about getting them to admit under oath facts they can't deny. Right. And, and something's up with him. <laughs> yeah, something's up. Oh, and uh, there was a development yesterday, and this is deeply disturbing. I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, Steve in New York says, that's Scar. 
That's Scarborough speak for he's doing blow. Yes. <laughs> oh, I had a note from Clarence. Um, hey, Clarence. Irony. I find it fascinating that Trump has a lawyer who's an Assyrian-American. I remember Trump and his Muslim ban that included Syrian refugees' admission to the U.S. permanently suspended. I guess she doesn't have any sympathy for her people. The Twilight Zone, the Outer Limits, and One Step Beyond have merged. The Trump ride is absolutely mind-boggling, and that it is, Clarence. Of course, she has no sympathy for Muslims because she is... And I don't even know what this means. I'll have to look it up. She is Chaldean Catholic. Uh, you remember Ur of the Chaldees, you know, where Abram came from. Um, checking in with Wikipedia real quick. Um Caldo-Assyrians, Assyro-Chaldeans, ethnically, ethnic Assyrian adherents of the Chaldean Catholic Church from what was once called the Church of the East. Upper Mesopotamian. Um, from the uh, Catholic Encyclopedia uh, before the Assyrian Genocide. Strictly the name of Chaldeans is no longer correct. In Chaldea proper, apart from Baghdad, there are now very few adherents of this rite, most of the Chaldean population being found in the cities of Kirkuk, Erbil, and Mosul, in the heart of the Tigris Valley, in the Valley of the Zab, and in the mountains of Kurdistan. It's in the former ecclesia you can get lost in this stuff so quickly. It's in the former ecclesiastical province of Ator that are now found the most flourishing of the Catholic Chaldean communities. Uh, whatever. I, I don't feel any smarter now than when we when we uh Asked the question in the first place. A scary Jerry with a note. Ran away to the Keys. And a photograph of a uh, cruise ship, the Carnival Conquest. Oh, God, those blue waters. Just checking in the westest of west. Happiness is key. Ha, I see what you did there. Restarting my life. Great show yet again. Hugs and kisses, Horn. That's from Scary Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Oh, I bet it's warm. But it's Florida. I'll never go back again. Now, there was a disturbing uh, development. You remember the Covenant Christian School shooting? Um... And now, of all people, Stephen Crowder yesterday went on air and claimed to have been leaked portions of the so-called manifesto
of the shooter and and posted them online. WSMV uh, broke the story. You may recall Stephen Crowder is the guy that uh, whose wife ran away from him because of his uh, his his abusive behavior. Well, in Nashville now, uh, an investigation is underway over how those documents or portions of the document were leaked. Mayor Freddie O'Connell said, I've directed Wally Dietz, Metro's law director, to initiate an investigation into how these images could have been released. That investigation may involve local, state, and federal authorities. I'm deeply concerned with the safety, security, and well-being of the Covenant families and all Nashvillians who are grieving. Dietz then said, I cannot confirm or deny the authenticity of the documents due to the existing lawsuit. At the request of the mayor, I'm initiating full investigation with multiple law enforcement agencies to determine exactly what happened. No one knows, and Stephen Crowder is a liar and a transphobe and a homophobe and a domestic abuser. So nobody really knows if the pages he posted are real. Three photos of writings in notebooks that are he claims are images of what the shooter said. And it has created a certain amount, well, it has renewed, refreshed a certain amount of horror in that community. And the the lawyer for uh, the parents of Audrey Hale, the shooter, said, we've never seen a manifesto at any time. We're not in a position to authenticate those pieces of paper. We have absolutely not released anything, but we certainly did not release this. It's inappropriate for me to make any further comment about it. Uh, I wonder if he could get an Alex Jones suit over this. He's been repeatedly, uh, Stephen Crowder, uh, deplatformed. I think he got demonetized on YouTube. For his hateful behavior. Doesn't seem to slow him down. This is an attempt to, apparently an attempt to get more attention. A horror. Oh, and uh, speaking of uh, people who shouldn't have guns, the Supreme Court. Well, thank you, Todd. You're the sheets. Dude, you're a Wawa. I'm so glad that Sheets has a free um, air compressor. I I drove over across the river to 
air up the tire last night, as a matter of fact. have to do it about every 24 hours now. 12 would be better. Oh, uh, so uh, apropos of nothing, I called the Ford dealership and gave them the last eight digits of my VIN. And the guy said, yep, here it is. Yep, the blackout rim. Mm-hmm, yeah, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I said, well, that's nice to know. And he said, yeah, only problem is I ain't got one in a warehouse anywhere. Great. Might be able to get one from a dealer, but they'll charge you more. Even better. So that little adventure continues. Uh, Jude with a note. Uh, Trump's deterioration. Unsure what I just wrote you as it poured through me. Heads up. Causes another perspective. Those he said yes to and anticipating another yes being president of the world. A thought came in hearing you bring up Todd in alignment with a Harvard professor. Pondered that for a moment on who would be in a key position to cause harm. This multi-level illness may lead Trump triggered and easily manipulated by any gold-plated, low-level, ego-soaked flattery. Oh, the soul loss. Stay strong, be of service, and take care of yourselves, dear community. Yes. Thank you, Jude. Um, Arnold, what part can't you find? It's a wheel for a 2016 Ford Fusion SE with the EcoBoost engine, all-wheel drive. It's a it's an open it's it's a black painted aluminum wheel uh, with a kind of a spoky look to it. That's the best way I can describe it. <sighs> Um, from the department of oh that's gross uh, there's a uh, new campaign video out from you uh, from representing Mike Collins of Georgistan He's apparently running for conference vice chair in the Maggot House. And it's just weird. And I do not, I do not support you wearing black socks with short pants. This is my team. As conference vice chair, I'll always be in my team's corner fighting to amplify our message, break through the noise, and win big for America. Gonna win. Americans gonna win. Need something robust. And his team is apparently Keanu Reeves and Greg Stupid. They're Stubby. P226, 6-hour 320, now 6-hour P365. Will it be like this or will it be a real number? Will it be like that? Will it be a real number? Non-human spacecraft. Sir, these got a flag. I've got my uniform. That's my quant. My quantitative, my math specialist, look at him. What the fuck? 
I mean, the, 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 Ryan Gosling, Heath Ledger. Dude's face superimposed over Christian Bale's. It was so bad that Jake Sherman said, that's one of the strangest things I've seen in a leadership race. And C.J. Pearson over at uh, Fox News TV said the tweets were funny. This is just cringe. I, I, what? I mean, if you want to watch it, it's at, at Rep Mike Collins on Shitter. But I think I just had some, I, I warn you, I think I just had some brain cells die. Oh, by the the maggot daddy. Uh, we're pretty close to the end of the program. Uh, if somebody if somebody could finish off TJ's challenge, that would be freaking awesome. The shut the fuck up Donnie challenge. It's got five dollars to go on it. Um, a little bit of justice. Robert Cremo Senior, who was a maggot, is a maggot. Entered guilty pleas. Yesterday, seven of them, to misdemeanor reckless conduct. It was a plea bargain. I'm Robert Cremo Jr., I'm sorry. Uh, his son was is Robert Cremo III, and he's the guy who did the mass shooting at the 4th of July parade outside Chicago. Um in 2022. Robert Cremo Jr. actually helped his son acquire a license to own firearms when he was still too young to do so. Robert Cremo Jr. is going to do all of 60 days in jail and be on probation for two years. And he has to give up his firearm owner's identification card and any firearms or ammo in his possession. He sponsored his son's uh, application for a gun permit when his son was too young at 19 to have a permit. And Robert Cremo Jr. was also well aware that his son had previously been threatening to engage in violence. Hey, thanks, Stephen New York, for finishing the challenge. Thank you so much. And he took the guns that he bought and climbed onto the roof of a building in Highland Park, Illinois, and opened fire on, on people attending the 4th of July parade, because freedom. Which brings me to the closing story of the evening. Um, namely, the Supreme Court, our most puissant, dread sovereign, supreme Catholic majesties, who heard arguments 
on just how uh, how absolute the Second Amendment is. And this is one of those uh, hard cases make bad laws uh, cases. A Texan uh, and we talked about this previously a dude named Zaki Rahimi grabbed his girlfriend at one point tried to force her into a car ex-girlfriend she escaped tried to get a domestic violence uh, protective order after Zaki Rahimi threatened to shoot her and they uh, gave it to her after that he was involved Zaki Rahimi was lawful gun owner in five separate shooting incidents, including shooting into the air at uh, in a Wendy's. Sorry, this is a Wendy's. When somebody didn't get what they wanted. And the cops finally went and arrested him. Well, they took the case to court. The Fifth United States Circuit Court of Appeals, which is comprised primarily of... Uh, loonies overturned the conviction and held that the Texas statute that that disallowed the uh, possession and ownership of firearms to people convicted of domestic violence or charged with it was based upon the Bruin decision of uh, summer before last, summer of 2022 um, was unconstitutional And so the case wound its way to the Supreme Court of the United States, and lo and behold, um, uh, old balls and strikes, John Roberts asked uh, the lawyer from the Federal Public Defender's Office, I think in Dallas, do you have any doubt that your client is a dangerous person? And... uh, uh, Neil Gorsuch said that the lower court went too far striking down the law. Even Amy Covid Barrett said uh, this is a matter of being able to remove guns from someone who's based, based on their being dangerous. Why can't we just say that? They may actually get this one right. Because this is that egregious. Um, Elizabeth Prelegar, the U.S. Solicitor General, said, The Second Amendment allows Congress to disarm persons who are not law-abiding, responsible citizens. and even use the right-wingers on the court's own words against them. The right of an ordinary law-abiding citizen to have a gun for self-defense is 
Second Amendment okay, according to the rulings. But from the earliest days of the Republic to modern times, legislatures have disarmed individuals who could not be trusted with firearms. Meanwhile, his petty fogger from the Federal Public Defender's Office, uh, J. Matthew Wright, he's from Amarillo, not Dallas, my bad. Uh, this is uh, uh, the Bruin decision makes this an easy case. The founders never intended to grant Congress the power to say who could keep arms. Keep and bear, not own. And I really like to point that was made by the California Legislative Women's Caucus. Because it was 1999 when the California legislature said, not only can you not buy one if you're charged with domestic violence, you can't possess one, a firearm. And uh, the California Legislative Women's Caucus filed an amicus brief in the case and said, that the court's focus on originalism was misplaced. We all know here that originalism is just a fraud. It's a fig leaf that lets um, right-wing fascists do whatever they want to do and say, well, because framers. But the California Legislative Women's Caucus was uh, ready. And this is a powerful point. Most domestic violence, the majority of domestic violence, is perpetrated against women. And they said the fact that women were not able to legislate, let alone vote, when this country was founded must not shackle current women legislators from enacting reasonable, limited, and effective laws to address the scourges of domestic violence and mass shootings. Yes, yes. Well said. I mean, you can go further. You can actually say that women had no input whatsoever to the creation of the Constitution and that that makes it a flawed document. Because that means that, 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 that laws were made that would be applied to women, which women had no voice in whatsoever. How does that continue to have anything resembling legitimacy? So, thanks everybody. It's been a heck of a Titanic Tuesday, has it not? And uh, late breaking, early returns coming from Ohio. Issue 1, for Issue 1 is presently running, uh, and these are very early numbers and very low numbers, uh, 67% for issue one, 33% against. That is the um, that's the issue that would enshrine the right to reproductive care, among other things, in the Ohio Constitution. And issue two is legal weed. And early results indicate 58% for and 42% against. Um, Early results coming in from Kentucky and Mississippi. Uh, early returns, Andy Bashir is uh, 
looking relatively good against Daniel Cameron, the Attorney General of the state, the man who let the murderers of Breonna Taylor skate. And in Mississippi, Stan, a uh, judge named Dwayne Thomas has ordered precincts in Hines County, Mississippi, to stay open for an extra hour until 8 central time due due to a, what a surprise, massive ballot shortage. The Mississippi Democratic Party filed a lawsuit asking the judge to give voters more time because of the aforesaid massive ballot shortage. How do you have one of those and you didn't mean to? Shouldn't you have enough ballots for every registered voter in the state? College students in Ohio were reporting earlier today that they were having trouble because they never received the mail-in ballots for which they applied meaning that a lot of college students in Ohio have to have to go to the poll had to go to the polls today and vote provisionally making their ballots challengeable by the maggots funny how these things happen in places like Ohio haven't seen anything coming out of Virginia So that's the program. Thanks, TJ, for the challenge. Uh, Tomorrow we will be at um, 1170. Thanks again to everybody who answered the challenge. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. We've got one on the 7th. If somebody who's listed would like to become a subscriber, James would love to have some company. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Stephen New York says, great program tonight. Take a bow or a curtsy. Thanks, Steve. Thanks to our uh, all-volunteer staff. Don't know if Roger made it into the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Leave a comment if you wish. It helps. It helps boost the visibility of the program. And that's kind of important. Thanks, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch. CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Get your RSV. Wear your mask in big, in large-ish, more than five crowds, especially if you're around maggots, because you know how they are. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance as best you can. 
And uh, if a certain lawyer, a well-highlighted lawyer, uh, comes towards you on the street saying, you know, we really don't know what's going to, if we're, we don't know what's going to happen on appeal. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have a jury or not. You don't get a jury on appeal. Well, avoid counsel for the parking garage like the plague. Because she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.